Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. I am wishing you a happy National Epilepsy Month. And I know there are going to be people right now saying, what? Why would she say that? That's because it's all about awareness. It's all about awareness. You know, there are so many people with epilepsy and they don't tell anyone. And they don't tell anyone because they are ashamed, you know, because of the stigma. You know, I just I just came back from Indonesia and I could not believe the stigma and the shame of having children with epilepsy. As a matter of fact, they take their children to a shaman. It's, it's just horrible. Uh, but I just spoke in Michigan at the Epilepsy Affiliate, and this is what I always say. I say, I'm living with epilepsy, and I'm not ashamed I'm living with epilepsy and neither should you be. I want to tell you, we're going to have a great show today. A special shout-out to Yoshiko Dart. A special shout-out to those around the world listening to this show. Hey, Ireland, you are awesome how many of you people are listening to the show and all the other countries, but I don't know what it is about Ireland, but you really got it going on. Thank you so much for your support. And thank you, Hi Mark, Blue Cross Blue Shield, for being our lead sponsor. So, as I was saying, there are over 3 million people living with epilepsy, but unlike me, there aren't a lot of people that would say Happy National Epilepsy Month, but there is one person that I know would say it louder than I am, and that would be... Former congressman, well, he's still congressman, congressman Tony Quello, author of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and my mentor since, ready, 1996. How about that? Tony Quello, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. It's an honor to be on. Appreciate it very much. Well, it's an honor for us to have you on. You know, Tony, you are one, as I was just mentioning, that when you talk about epilepsy, you are not ashamed. You know, you're passionate. So why is that? Why are you so passionate about it? Well, Joyce, I really believe that uh, epilepsy has made me the person I am today. And I thank God for my epilepsy. I wouldn't know who I am if it weren't for that. I wouldn't have been pushed to the limits if I hadn't gone through my seizures and so forth. And so when you... Uh, are struck with something like I went through, um, you're forced to get to know yourself. And so I thank God for it. Um, I, uh, I believe that epilepsy has uh, made me uh, successful in that I believe in myself. I, um, and I think you're powerful when you believe in yourself. And I don't mean... Uh, arrogance. I just mean that you believe in yourself as a person, that you have value, uh, that you can add to whatever the situation is, um, and that you don't go hide in a in a shell someplace. Um, and so, 
being able to to do that, I thank God for it, and uh, and I basically feel strongly um, that epilepsy is the cause of it. Well, you know, epilepsy uh, has changed you, and a lot of people may not know why, especially now that we're heard in 17 countries, Joni. I mean, we're really taking off, and I'm sure there are people around the world that do not know, so how about... I want you to tell them why you feel when you said, with everything I went through. Well, as a 16-year-old, I had an automobile accident, uh, hit my head, and, um, and I developed uh, seizures uh, a year later. Um, I was in, the, in our barn milking cows, and I woke up, and I was on my bed in bedroom. Doctor was there, and um, doctor uh, you know, told my parents it looked like a seizure. I didn't hear that, and my parents wouldn't accept it, and I didn't know that they wouldn't accept it. So they would tell me that they doctors did not know what it was, and I went to three different doctors, and the doctors uh, in those days and some doctors today uh, don't talk to the patient. They talk to a loved one or somebody else, they talk right through you. And so basically, I went to these doctors and uh, they didn't know why I was having these passing out spells. Um, so then uh, they, my family took me to witch doctors uh, because in their culture, they felt that if you had epilepsy, you were possessed by the devil. And so the witch doctors would rid me um, of the devil. Well, after three different witch doctors, that didn't work, and I kept on having seizures. Uh, upon graduating uh, from high school, then went to college, uh, after four years, I decided that I wanted to become a Catholic priest, and I jokingly say all the time, to the shock of my girlfriend of five years, uh, but that's what I really wanted to do, and so uh, I went through my physical, and, and the doctor said, have you had, ever had any passing out spells or whatever? And I said, yes, for six years. Uh, and he said, has anybody ever told you you had epilepsy? I said, no, I never, don't even know what the word is. So he explained to me what epilepsy was, and he told me that 1964, that uh, you're 4F, you don't have to serve in Vietnam. He then said, but... Um, uh, the Catholic Church and canon law, uh, the Catholic Church in 400 AD uh, established in canon law that if you have epilepsy or possessed by the devil, you can't be a priest. Um, and so that was in effect, and I was kicked out. I was denied entry into uh, seminary. I felt good because I uh, now knew what it was, and I could take medication and it would control some of my seizures. And uh, I called my parents to say so, and um, they said, no son of ours has epilepsy. And that started a serious break in the family that existed for decades. Um, and I, uh, I didn't let that stop me. Uh, I then, I was student by president in college, and I had a lot of job offers, and I would go to, uh, for an interview, I checked the box that said epilepsy, and I never even got an interview. And uh, I started to realize after several uh, denials 
um, that something was going on. And I started to realize that uh, everything I loved in my life, my family had rejected me, that my God had reflected me, my church had rejected me, and now I couldn't get uh, uh, a job in the DMV, Department of Motor Vehicles, had taken away my driver's license. Uh, and so it all came crashing down on me. Uh, and so I started drinking and was drunk every day by 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a hill in, in uh, Los Angeles. And, uh, and I became suicidal. And the day I was going to do the dirty deed, uh, I all of a sudden heard music, and there was a merry-go-round at the bottom of the hill. In those days, I thought there were mountains, but when you're drunk, everything is big. And I uh, heard the merry-go-round, heard the music, and realized it was there. I didn't know and hadn't paid attention. I was so self-absorbed. Um, and I uh, uh, saw these kids getting on and off the merry-go-round, happy and laughing and so forth. And a voice came over me and said, you're going to be just like those little kids. You're never going to let anybody or anything ever stop you from doing what you want to do. And that changed my life. Um, a week later, uh, I got to go live with the Bob Hope family. Some of you across the world, uh, Bob Hope was one of our most famous uh, television comedians. Um, but uh, he and his family, uh, I went to live with him, uh, ate meals with him, traveled, so forth. And one day, Mr. Hope said to me, um, you think you have a ministry and only can be practiced in a church. The facts are is that it can be practiced in, in sports, in entertainment, in business, uh, in government. But where you belong is in politics. And I've always given Mr. Hope credit for my political career. And uh, that's how I got involved in politics. And when I got there, I decided I wanted to do stuff uh, on disabilities and I wrote uh, basically the ADA as a result of a, a lot of grassroots efforts that was going on at the time. Um, Yoshigo is probably on the line. Justin Dart was our big hero, and he was doing a lot of the grassroots effort. But uh, put together the ADA, and we got it adopted. It's now the law of the land in over 52 countries. Um, and it's made a huge difference here. There's still problems, of course and problems all over the world in regards to acceptance of those of us with disabilities. Um, but uh, that's the reason I give epilepsy so much credit for my life. I would never, have, in my view, uh, got to live with Bob Hope. I would have never uh, been able to go to work for this great congressman in Central California. Uh, Hope and this congressman, in effect, became my father. And... And then to be able to write the ADA and, and then afterwards be able to do the advocacy that I do uh, still to this day. Um, so uh, trouble, uh, feeling sorry for yourself, and then being blessed and turn around and do uh, things that you want to do and, and have an impact on people's lives. I think that's one of the things that God put you here on earth for, and so I'm really blessed. Wow. That is just... every I've heard this story, folks, for years. 
every time has the same impact. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I know you say, and I know you've told me for years about that day and that you saw those kids. And But you know, Tony, this is really, anyone listening to the show would say, oh my God, how this man could not be bitter about his family, about the Catholic Church, you know, how so many people, they can't take it if there's just something with their family. And in your case, it's with all these entities. I mean, that is incredible inner something. I mean... Well, Joyce, let me, let me give you two stories to respond to what you just said. First, in regards to my family. Uh, we didn't talk for years. Um, after I left Congress, the Washington Post did a story on me about how epilepsy is my driving force. And the uh, writer uh, put in there what I've just said, basically, and um, the editor wouldn't uh, publish the article because he talked about what I said about my family and, and the reporter had not talked to my family to verify it. So he called me and asked me if he could call my family. I said, sure, I don't know what they'll say, but here's their phone number. So he called and my mother told him that my story was absolutely true. When they realized that they were wrong and how much they had hurt me, they didn't know how to tell me that they were sorry. And so basically did nothing. And so he put that in the story. Um, He called me right after he had that conversation. I called my mother. I then went out uh, to see my family and so forth. Um, It was a great reunion, but I have to honestly say there was a lot of scar tissue. When my mother died, um, I was there, of course, and uh, it, it was an emotional thing, of and, but when uh, her body was going in the ground, something came over me and said, you've got to make up your mind. Uh, either you love her or you uh, respect her. It can't be both. And as the body was being lowered, I said, um, I loved her, but I didn't respect her for what she put me through. And I immediately had a seizure. Uh. Uh, and that tells you the depth of the hurt that I had, but it also released it. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I, I'm very, very close to my uh, brothers and sister. My sister is one of my best friends. And, um, uh, and so the family situation, um, while it wasn't good for a while, it ended up with great relationship today. In regards to the Catholic Church, I'm very devout. Uh, I go to church um, and uh, contribute and do everything you're supposed to do. And I try to be a good person. And what happened, um, uh, I was able to address it. When I became the House Majority Whip, for those who overseas, that's the third hang, uh, third um, uh, most powerful position in the House Representatives Majority Party. And as a result, you get to travel. And so the first trip uh, that I could take a delegation to, um, I was asked where I wanted to go, and I wanted to go to Portugal because I'm 100% Portuguese. And that was going to be a state visit and something very nice because I was the highest-ranking Portuguese-American. And uh, secondly, the State Department wanted to go to Morocco, 
uh, meet with the king because the king of Morocco and the president of Portugal were working together on Middle East issues, as people still are today. Um, and uh, they wanted me to help uh, with uh, something, and I agreed to do it. And then the third country I got to choose, and I said I wanted to go to the Vatican to meet with the Pope. And so my delegation went, and we got there, and and uh, we sat down. The Pope walked in. We stood up. He sat down. Uh, I went to the podium because I had to give what I call a very boring speech that was pre-approved by the Vatican and, and the U.S. government. And so I gave my very boring speech, and when I got through, uh, I feel very strongly that when you have the podium, you've got to take advantage. It doesn't have to be a, a wooden piece of furniture. It's just whenever you have the chance to speak, you should tell the truth, speak out. And so what I said uh, after my speech was, Your Holiness, I could not live with myself if I didn't say something personal. I'll say the minions around the room were, ah, da, 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 da. and my delegation looked at me as if I was crazy because I had not told anybody what I intended to do. And I said, as a young man, um, I decided I wanted to become a Catholic priest. Um, I uh, was turned away because I have epilepsy. And canon law established in 400 A.D., said if you have epilepsy or are possessed by the devil, you can't be a priest. Um, I think that's very unchristian of our church, and I would hope you'd look into it. And that was it. He then gave his very boring speech, and afterwards we took a, a, lots of pictures. Um, and then uh, my wife and I escorted him um, out of the room. He was holding her hand, got to the door, turned around, blessed her, turned to me, did not bless me. And... Uh, the feeling that I had at that very moment was that Joyce said I was going straight to hell because <laughs> you know, not to be blessed by the Pope is very significant. And uh, so he looked at me and he said, young man, I heard your comments and walked away. Um, I was thrilled that I got to meet him. I was thrilled that I got to speak to him. Um, I was thrilled that I said what I felt I really had to say. Um, I was disappointed that it uh, didn't look like uh, it was going anywhere. But two years later, um, canon law was changed to permit uh, people with epilepsy or men with epilepsy to become priests. Now, I very strongly say I don't know what role I played in that. It may have been a decision that was already moving forward, it may have been something else that occurred that made it happen. Nobody ever notified me. I just know that when I had the podium, I said what I felt. And that's what's important. And my epilepsy gives me that confidence to take the podium and speak out. And so I don't have any hang-ups uh, about canon law and the Catholic Church. Did it hurt? you darn right it hurt. But... Um, uh, I probably, if it hadn't, I would have gotten in the priesthood and I would be trying to be Pope and be probably kicked out. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just, my life has taken some interesting twists and turns, and I don't uh, believe in holding negatives. Um, I believe in uh, trying to find uh, the positives in things. Um, Ronald Reagan once said, if you see a stack of straw, you've got to believe there's a horse in there somewhere. 
And I guess that's my personality. I keep looking for that horse. Oh, and you do. As a matter of fact, Tony, we have callers on the line right now, more than one here. Uh, So let's start with Peggy. Peggy, are you on the line yet? I am, Joyce. Good afternoon. Hi, Peggy. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Good afternoon, Tony. I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your story with us this afternoon and and most especially for sharing your leadership with us all these years. You know, you are a huge inspiration to me personally and I know to all of the people that I work with here at the Epilepsy Foundation in Western and Central Pennsylvania and um, you as well, Joyce, but you have always been a a huge motivator for me and and a huge inspiration to me, and I just wanted to call and say thank you for that and thank you for all the many, many, many things, countless things that you have taught me um, and and all the things that you have always done for not just people with epilepsy but for all people who live with disabilities. So um, thank Thank you you for sharing your story today. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Appreciate your calling in. Peggy, you're awesome. And I appreciate uh, I appreciate everything that you are doing uh, in your leadership. So thank you. Thank you thank for calling you. and have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Okay, we have another caller on the line. Jill, are you on the line? I'm here. Hello, Jill Howden. Hello, 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 and thank you for the opportunity to call in and and to say thank you um, to Tony, um, not only for sharing your story, but um, for uh, living living your life with a you know full devotion and commitment to the inclusion of people with disabilities. Um, thanks to you, we have things like the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, you also Thanks to you, we have the U.S. Business Leadership Network. You, you saw the importance of bringing business to the table and creating the demand to hire people with disabilities. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to know you, to work with you, to be mentored by you. Um, and I have a lot of love and admiration for you. So thank you. Thank you, Jill. That's wonderful. I appreciate your calling in and and those of you across the world who may not know what USBLN is, it's United States uh, Business Leadership Network, and it's basically an organization of uh, major U.S. companies uh, who deal positively with those of us with disabilities, primarily in, in jobs. And um, I helped start the organization, uh, but Jill has taken it to a level that it, I always hoped it would be, but that it has accomplished. And so it's fantastic, uh, her drive, her personality, her emotion, um, to create these jobs. And all of us in the disability community love you and appreciate you for it. Love you. Thank you. Hold on. Jill Howden. I just want to say for any businesses leading, listening, and to all disability groups, to everyone, she is the real deal. She is a rock star. I love her, and there isn't anyone better, period. Thanks, Jill. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. 
So, um, Tony, you know what? What can I say? Of course, I knew there would be people calling in because so many people love you. And I won't be surprised if more people call in. But I did want to, uh, I'm going to jump ahead only because I want to make sure we get to talk about this just in case other people call in. I don't want to get off track. Would you mind sharing with our listeners about the Quello Center? What, what, is, what is the Quello Center? Well, Joyce, I um, owe a lot to so many people that have made a difference in my life. And a lot of it has to do with finding myself, uh, finding myself uh, as a person with a disability uh, and opening up doors in my mind of what I could do, that I was a, a person that could accomplish things and that disability would not limit me, um, but would actually, in reality, open up doors for me. And uh, that transformation took place when I graduated from Loyola and as I was trying to go out into the real world and, and be employed as once I was rejected for the priesthood. Um, I was at Loyola that summer, and the encouragement that the Jesuits, uh, in order of the priesthood, um, Loyola is a Jesuit uh, college, university, and those uh, men there were tremendous to me and helping me and, and helping me build back my confidence. So uh, I've led a very interesting life and so forth, and I wanted to do something to pay back. And I've thought of several different universities in, in my um, uh, state, and I had uh, uh, put together uh, certain projects with the Epilepsy Foundation, New York Law School, uh, University of California at Merced, Fresno State University in California, uh, George Washington University, and so forth, all different kinds of professorships and scholarships, and, and uh, uh, gave substantial amount of money to the Epilepsy Foundation. But I wasn't satisfied. Um, I wanted to do something where all my papers would be and where I could um, end up doing some uh, real, honest-to-goodness advocacy Directed at certain things uh, in the epilepsy and the disability movement, and so uh, the dean of uh, the law school at Los Angeles um, had uh, Loyola Los Angeles had just been selected last year. Uh, he disability law was his uh, drive in law school, uh, law firm, uh, professorship and he was made the dean. And so disability was his focus, and I met him, and I was overwhelmed with his personality, his dedication to disability. And so I finally found the place I wanted to put um, the Quello Center. And so I met with the president, and and um, what we have is we have uh, the seven deans of the seven schools um, at Loyola in a dean's council with the dean of the law school um, heading it up. It's directly under the president of the university and the provost. 
Um, and what we're going to do is to have all the different schools participate in the activities, um, uh, business school and the engineering school uh, are part of it. And so in regards to technology, some of the things that uh, I'm working on, want to work on, uh, in regards to technology, having the business school dean and the engineering school dean who are both very aggressive and positive about what we can do um, at, with the center at Loyola uh, is exciting to me. And uh, I met with the dean of the library. I met with the dean of the arts and sciences. I met with the dean of the education department. So all these different deans are excited about cross-functioning with their other deans in regards to projects. It's never been done before, and it's exciting. And to have the support of the university, uh, again, uh, it gave me such great support at the beginning of my uh, career out of college, and now to go back and get their support again and try to make a difference in the lives of people with disabilities is very rewarding and very uh, exciting to me. My goal is to raise $5 million, and I've already raised uh, about $2.8 million, and um, we'll announce it sometime uh, next year. Wow. Hey, Tony, if anyone is listening to the show and they would want to make a contribution, what should they do? Well, I mean, do you want them to send it to Yeah, what, what they would do is... Or directly that, to you or what? No, if they are interested, they should send it to um, Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles and direct it to um, the Quello uh, Disability Center or just the Quello Center or just the Disability Center. Um, but that's what, um, that's what I would recommend that they do. Um, if they are interested in a specific uh, program or questions, uh, if they'll let you know, uh, then you can pass it on to me or, or whatever, and we'll get back quickly in response to them uh, to be able to um, uh, have them participate. I'm looking for contributions of all sizes from 1000 to 500000 um, and $100 and $50. Um, the, I want it to be as much grassroots as we possibly can, uh, and I, I feel I'm so excited about it. I feel that I really haven't done as much as I can do or want to do in regards to the disability movement. So uh, this is very exciting to me. Yes, and listen, if you're listening and you have any questions and you're thinking, wait a minute, I forgot this, or because I know some of you will hear this again on demand later today or the next day, uh, remember, BenderConsult.com. Just send it to jbender at benderconsult.com, and I'll get back to Tony. And you know what, Tony? That's a great idea. Maybe a group of us could start some type of grassroots across the country for this Quello Center, because if anyone deserves it, it's you. I know you have changed my life, but I'm not the only one. There are so many people, um, and you have such a passion, for example, 
for young people. You've done so much for young people. Um, I know you love young people, uh, and especially young people with epilepsy. You've done so much. Uh, can you talk about that just for a couple minutes? Sure. Um, I, I try to help out anybody who has a disability, uh, epilepsy or whatever, um, uh, open up doors, do whatever is possible, consult with them in regards to their personal issues or whatever. Um, and I'm particularly motivated by young people. I don't want young people to go through what I went through. Um, I want them to to understand that there are opportunities out there, no matter what your disability is, uh, that there are opportunities. And I always take the view that um, people should stop looking at what I can't do and look at what I can do. There's a lot of things I, Tony Quello, can't do because of my disability. But you know what? There are a lot of things I can do, and there are things that I have done and can do that others can't. So nothing should limit us from being able to do what we can and want to do. And so with young people, I want them to dream. I want them to feel that they can accomplish uh, uh, whatever it is that they feel needs to be done. Um, I take the view, as Joyce, as you've heard me many times, I always say that you have to give me the right to fail before I have the opportunity to succeed. Um, so that means you open up and let me be who I can be and want to be. Uh, and that way I can uh, potentially succeed. That happens with people without disabilities. And so why shouldn't we have the same right to fail or the opportunity to fail? Um, and it's a mindset that if you understand that and you believe that, uh, those, those, those of us with disabilities will be able to be employed. I've told the last five presidents that uh, there's only one group in, in American society that I know of uh, that wants to pay taxes, and that's those of us with disabilities. And the reason why, if we have to pay taxes, uh, that means we have a job. That means we are being able to uh, help our loved ones. We're able to function uh, as a family or participant in a family, uh, that we can do things like others. Um, and that's really key to all of us. Um, and so uh, I, I feel so strongly about that, that um, but particularly with young people, is to make sure that they believe that they can do uh, things, that they can be very effective. Uh, most important is that they can believe in themselves. Right. Uh, look what you've done. Look what you've accomplished. Uh, and Tony means it. That thing he always says when you get a chance to take the podium, speak up, uh, is so true. You need to speak up. You need not be ashamed uh, because epilepsy is just part of who you are. Uh, Tony, I, I wanted to go back to when you were talking about epilepsy. Now, this means to you, uh, like you, I still have seizures occasionally, but I know you deal with this. What does it? What's it like to you? You you deal with this more than I do. Well, how do you feel like when you get up in the morning? Are you thinking what's going to happen? You know, when you go speak. Uh, I mean, how how is that with you? 
Well, Joyce, um, I'm 75. I've had seizures for 60 years. Uh, still have seizures. Uh, still take medication uh, to try to limit the severity or the amount of seizures. Uh, so I'll have seizures till the day I die. I know that, and uh, I accept that. Um, I tell folks all the time, and, and it's so true, I wake up in the morning not knowing if the seizure is going to come that day, uh, when it uh, would come during that day, where I might be, what might be happening. And I don't let that um, drive me crazy. What I do know is that I think it every morning. And, and it has an impact on uh, what I do. And so um, it's something that those of us with disabilities um, know our limitations because of that. But I believe very strongly that uh, I know my limitations, uh, but uh, I really push what I can do, and I really push my abilities and so forth. And so um, I think it's important to know what you can't do, but my God, it's really important to go out and prove what you can do. And so uh, while I... I am conscious of a seizure that I might have. I don't think I have the right to kill anybody. Uh, if I want to kill myself, that may not be the right thing to do, but, but I can. Uh, but I don't think that you have the right to um, have an accident and injure somebody else as a result of you driving when you shouldn't be or uh, putting yourself in a situation that others... Uh, can be injured. Um, so uh, th- that's, you know, what I go through day in, day out. Uh, sometimes uh, I feel it's stronger than in others, but it's something you constantly live with. Um, I, I kind of describe it that it's scar tissue that is there. It can't be removed. Um, but I, it's scar tissue. It's nothing else than that. Um, but it is a constant thing that you have. Right. So let me just say to all the listeners, you're lucky that Tony and I do not drive because if we were together in a car and you were following us, it would be a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) We both have the same terrible sense of direction so who knows tony where we would end up who i know i could end up anywhere i have to tell my listeners this one time i went to the white house okay it's only a couple blocks back to where i have to go and i come out all of a sudden oh my god wait which street was that so when I call Mary, who works for me, it's, you got to be kidding me. What is wrong? When I call Tony, he says, yeah, I know just how you feel. So that's what I mean about not having a great sense of direction. Uh, and Tony, you also have a light spirit. I've always noticed, thought that about you, that you have like a joyful, happy spirit. Um, and I've often wondered what impact... Bob Hope had on you and now that you're 75 years old as you think back about Bob Hope of everything what memory stands out to you the most well his positiveness uh, he used to tell me he'd say uh, 
at one point I, I described a situation where I felt that somebody was taking advantage of him, and um, I loved him for what he had done for me, and I just had trouble with that. And he said, Tony, you're dwelling on the wrong thing. Um, he said, if they think they're getting away with something and it really doesn't hurt you, I don't worry about it. Um, he said, there's so many things um, that you can do besides worrying about what you or others may perceive that somebody is in negative to you. Just don't waste your time that way. And um, it created in me, you know, I, I just always was fascinated with that statement in his feelings. Um, he was, you know, he spent Christmas every year uh, in, in, around the world meeting with servicemen and women all over, and, and New Year's was his Christmas, was the family Christmas. He did it year in and year out uh, uh, as something he truly believed in, as service to his country. And people uh, probably don't realize this, he was British-born. He uh, was not American-born. But he loved the American system. He loved our country. And he did so much for it. And that sense of, of commitment was something that I really developed with him. Uh, uh, I, I was fascinated uh, with that. And uh, I, I think that the decency of, of the man. Now, um, he was... Uh, very conservative, uh, a, a very close friend of uh, uh, Barry Goldwater, who was senator from Arizona, running for president, and uh, they talked regularly. He would talk to uh, President Johnson at the time, and he was most politicians wanted to know him or wanted to be around him, and we would talk about that after he got off the phone with somebody and so forth. And he would say stuff like, um, you know, it's really an honor that people call you. He said, you know, for whatever reason that they do to call you, but to get phone calls like this is an honor. But um, I realize that it's because of the things that I do and so forth that this is happening. It's not about me as a person, but it's the things that I do. And... Uh, that became a big lesson for me, is that don't ever take yourself that seriously. Uh, take what you do seriously. And if you do that, uh, people will recognize you for, for what you do. But if you take yourself seriously, uh, then they won't pay attention to what you do. Yeah, Good, great advice and so true. Yep. Uh, and a great man. Um, and he would be so proud of you, Tony. He would just oh, he be was, so proud. Um, I, I was with him when he was, uh, I think, 98. And um, he would, uh, couldn't hear much or see it much at that time. Um, but he scolded me for uh, not staying in touch with him uh, like he would have liked it. And uh, my view is this. He was uh, a very... Uh, powerful individual because everybody knew him and so forth. And I didn't want to uh, have him feel that I was trying to use my relationship. I told him that, and he scolded me and said, you know, enough is enough. Uh, but it just um, uh, this was a wonderful man 
to be around, and I was not uh, ever going to have him feel that I took advantage of our relationship. Well, yeah, well, as I said, he is so proud of you and everything that you've done. You know, I know we're talking about all these wonderful things, and they are so important, but... um, I know this is a little serious after all this happiness we've been talking about, but I still have to ask you, Tony, right now, there is so much division in this country and things that are happening that are terrible. You've lived through so much. You lived through the Civil Rights Act. You know, you saw what it was like before for people of color. I mean, you've lived through all this. Uh, what's your feeling about what's going on right now? Well, Joyce, um, I have a real problem with what's going on, but not what I think people think. Um, I think legislation can be changed. I think executive orders can be changed. I think people on courts can be changed. Um, and, and so I have always believed that uh, there's only one president at a time, and you support um, your president uh, because he is the president of your country, and I think it's uh, you need to respect that. But what's going on right today is something that's bigger than that, in my view. Um, I and so many others, Justin Dart and John Lewis and so many folks, uh, the Kennedys, um, Ronald Reagan, um, uh, George Bush, Papa Bush, um, Senator Dole. So many people worked hard over the years to put hate in a bottle. Didn't mean you were going to cure it, but you put it in the bottle. And and as a result of that, you were eliminating uh, the spreading of hate. Uh, you put more and more of it in the bottle. What I mean by that is that it wasn't acceptable publicly to talk about hate and to grandize hate and so forth. And it took time. You know, uh, women at one point uh, couldn't own property, couldn't vote. People of color were treated as slaves, of course, and and people could own them uh, and then couldn't vote, couldn't own property and, and so forth. Uh, the gay community had all kinds of things. And none of these communities um, is it perfect, but a lot of the hate uh, was slowly uh, uh, put aside and put into a bottle. Um, and then in the last year, uh, the lid on hate came off. And that to me is very, very troubling because it will take generations to put it back in there if we can. Um, and the fact that it came out, young people uh, now think it's okay to hate. Um, we have uh, people who rather shoot you than, than scold you. Um, we have people who get away with taking advantage of men or women in sexual abuse. Um, uh, the, the things that people say about others... Uh, this is what troubles me the most. Um, uh, I, I really have trouble um, with people who 
try to put people down. Um, I mean, I like to find out what what is the goodness in somebody. There's always goodness in everybody. Um, but nowadays, it's um, oh, you you look for a reason to hate somebody, and you immediately assume X uh, without even considering it. And so, I I read something re- recently that it's um, that all this is sort of a psychological thing that has taken place where people feel that they're not succeeding, they're not things are not going their way. So the group uh, hate is is at an all time high. Now I understand as someone who's been in politics and and really enjoys um, knowing trends and so forth that we're going through a revolution right now in our country and that technology is changing things. Uh, people in Pittsburgh had jobs that people felt would be there forever in the industrial uh, part. Um, uh, but those jobs now are moving away because of technology. And young people are taking over those jobs because people our age um, are not trained in that area. And so that revolution has taken place, and a lot of those people don't have some place to go. And, and the question is, is, instead of trying to help those people become trained and help those people to move ahead in the revolution that's taken place and so forth. What we're doing is encouraging the negativism of it, um, that they shouldn't have taken away my job, they, then blaming people for it. it. You know, people in agriculture, uh, it changed for them when the Industrial Revolution came along. History, this repeats throughout history, and we're going through this transformation, transformation right now. And instead of helping people go through it, we're encouraging people to blame. We're encouraging people to hate. And that is something that's going to take generations to turn around. Yeah. Sad. That is very sad. And hearing it coming from you, oh, I, it's just so sad. It really is. So, Tony, uh, before we close the show today, what... What do you hope your legacy will be? You know, uh, I could be very uh, aspirational, I guess, and say that, which is something I really believe, is that um, uh, you left this earth uh, uh, and having had an impact on uh, one person or some people. And um, I really believe, uh, and I don't want this to sound bad, I really believe that I've done that. Um, But what my legacy that I want is not that I did the ADA, uh, uh, not that I am uh, so involved in the epilepsy and and the disability movement, but I want um, my legacy to be the Quello Center and how... Um, I took all these experiences and took all these uh, thoughts and so forth and put them into something to really try to uh, educate people and um, get people uh, helping out a community that needs to uh, be included, that 
needs to become part of everyday life of, of uh, our society. Uh, people with disabilities have so much talent, um, but we have a tendency to belittle it. We have a tendency to and, uh, stigmatize it. And uh, I, I want my legacy to be that uh, I tried and hopefully succeeded in some small way to turn that around. That's what I want. Well, I believe you have done that. And you also, you haven't made a difference in one life, Tony. You've made a difference in many, many lives. And that's why I wanted to end the quote with something uh, that I feel about you. And this quote was said by President John F. Kennedy. He said, as we express our gratitude... We must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. And that's you, Tony. Mm-hmm. You live by them. That's what you do. And well, I as you thank know, I love, I love John F. Kennedy, so it means a lot to me. Thank you, Joyce. You're welcome. And thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I could have you on every day, every day of the month, and I would just love it. Uh, I love you, and I thank you for everything you've done, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Joyce. Appreciate it very much, and happy Thanksgiving to all your family and all your listeners. Thank you very much. Thank you. And getting ready to go now, so listen. I will look forward to talking to you next week. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. I'll talk to you next week with Charlie Lavelle. See you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.